yo, what's good, everybody? It's your boy KG. It's your boy LB. What's going on, everybody? Yeah, we're back with y'all again. Thin line between love and sports. Uh, episode fourteen. Episode what's, fourteen. What's going on? In case you didn't tune in last week, episode thirteen, we had a special guest with uh Lauren from Team Lawrence from Team uh Team Grind. Team Grind. I actually sure got my uh, my Team Grind shirt on today too. So yes, sir. Shout out to the to the homie Lawrence. Yep. Make sure you can follow them on uh, Instagram, Team Grind. Just type that in. Also follow us on Instagram, uh, Thin underscore Line Between Love and Sports. And also, we have us on uh, Facebook. Facebook as well. Thin yeah. line between love and sports. Follow the group. Chat with us. Holler at us. But yeah, man. We're going uh, to get into it for a little bit. But yeah, what you been up to? Man, um, rounding up summer. Last tournament for my son this week. Um, and I think he's going to start football probably not too soon after this. What you got going on, man? Uh, it's been busy, man. Yeah, I just uh, started back work. You know what I mean? Getting everything ready for the next school year and stuff like that. Uh, still training with my kids that I got out there right now. Shout out to them in Vegas. Hope they putting it down for us. Oh, that's big. Getting together, man. Getting some scouts. Hopefully, you know. But uh, one work on trying to get into some scholarships too, though, outside of just sports. You right. Know, that's the right, biggest right. thing. So that's our next step. Okay. Okay. But so, yeah, um, man, the last episode, it, it got a, a lot of positive feedback. So we thank everybody that listened and, and shared it. Uh, that was big for us. It was probably our most popular episode to date. So we thank everybody for that. Uh, you want to go ahead and get into these topics? Yeah, man. Let's go ahead and get to it. It's been, uh, it's been a crazy couple weeks, man, since we passed uh, right? our last episode. So we're going to dive into these topics and really just see, uh, dissect them a little bit. Okay. All right. So this first topic is going to be uh, racism in sports, man. Yes. And we're going to talk about it from a standpoint where we have the facts, where we see actual racism. And uh, also from a perception standpoint, you know, what do we really see from what these owners or what players are they really right. going through and what they're saying and doing? Right. right? Uh, I'll let you go ahead and tackle that first. Um, well, the, the, the topic came about from the uh, MLB All-Star Game, uh, the Twitter comments from Josh Hader. They resurfaced and they were pretty bad. Um, a lot of blatant, frivolous use of the N-word. Mm-hmm. Um he was also pretty homophobic. He, I think he was more homophobic and more sexist than he was racist. Yep. But um, the the topic really came about after that when he came in in relief. He's a relief pitcher, and he got a standing ovation. Hmm. And it, and it just it made me feel a type of way because it's like you know I've seen guys that have done nothing along the lines of, of what he did. I mean, uh, especially in football, more specifically, I'll say Colin Kaepernick, of course, but I'll go back before that, yeah. uh, Richard Sherman. Mm-hmm. And Richard Sherman had the um, the interview, the post-game interview after the 49ers game. They had just won. He had just batted down that pass from uh, from Kaepernick to Crabtree. To Crabtree, yeah. And he, he just went off in the post-game interview. Now, he wasn't disrespectful to the woman that was interviewing him, but, I mean, because he was loud and because he was boisterous, I mean, the, the, the backlash that he received from that was incredible. Yeah. You know, for a post-game interview where he really didn't say anything wrong other than don't try me with a sorry receiver like that. That was probably the worst thing he said. And then to fast forward to 2018 and see a guy that comes out and has some things in his past that are like blatantly, blatantly, blatantly racist – uh, a lot of that stuff is unfor- unforgivable right? for him to receive a standing ovation. It, it really made me feel a type of way. And 
we can't really say that that's actual racism, but it's perceived that way where the same group of people or the people that we feel is the same group will applaud a young man for really no reason. He didn't do anything. I mean, it wasn't like he came out and offered this heartfelt apology or, you know, stood up at the podium Mm -hmm. and explained his side of the story. It was just, Oh, I was a kid then. Okay, cool. So for them to give him a standing ovation and a round of applause, whereas we know those same people feel like Colin Kaepernick is the scum of the earth. I mean, he's been called all types of names. The president referred to the people that kneel in protest of police brutality during the anthem as sons of bitches. Like, why did this dude get a standing ovation? Like, you know, explain that to me. Explain it how he was able to get that where we see guys like LeBron James, who's really done nothing to receive any hate, is told to shut up and dribble. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we're trying to not make it the obvious reason why these things are happening. That's why, you know, we want to talk about perceived racism and actual blatant racism in sports. Uh, So that's where it all came from. Uh, Give me your comments on it, man. Man, like I told you before, when I first heard this about him getting a standing ovation, it like it really like I don't know. It took me to a, like a place that was like made me un. I was just I just couldn't believe it. Like I, I didn't understand like how is he being praised for his for him apologizing. And when I thought about it, I immediately, immediately took me to um, the time when Cam Newton made his comments to the female reporter. Mm. I don't even remember that right. And of course, it wasn't racism. It was more sexism than anything, but. It was just, she asked him about something, and all he said was... I remember what she asked him. It was a stupid question. Yeah, but it was just a question. And I, I, all he refers to is like, it's funny to hear a female talk about receivers' routes. routes. And it, that, you know what I'm saying? And that's in itself, I guess I can see how you saw that sexism, but it was just like, he's making a comment that it's like, it's not normal. You don't hear women saying yeah, I, female yeah, you know, I, receivers. Yeah, I, I get it. You don't get that that much. But where's the standing ovation after he apologized? You yeah. know what I'm saying? And that wasn't even something where it was like, she took it as belittling, but it was just like the America or I'm assuming the world didn't really see it as like that. It wasn't known as the belittling comment. Mm-mm. People say those things like all the time about anything, right? So that was my main thing. It was just that. It was just, I didn't, I didn't understand it. And all his excuse was that he was just young. Yeah. And like that doesn't make it right. You still know the difference between right and wrong. Thank you. I mean, you wasn't like yeah. a seven-year-old. You were in high school. Exactly. So come on, bro. You've been around black athletes. You've been around gay people at that time. You knew this is relevant in America. So you knew exactly what you were doing. And just for him to be able to apologize and get that across and uh, people are giving a stand ovation. It was like, wow. Um, So that's where it spawned from with Josh Hader and his comments. And, you know, not trying to go too far off the rails, but I I just think them giving him a, a standing ovation it's some bullshit when we have other um, examples of athletes doing certain things that are lesser, like the Cam Newton situation, because a woman asks a dumb question. Mm -hmm. How does he embrace the physicality of his routes? Like that doesn't even make sense. That's stupid. Mm -hmm. And all he said was, man, you know, it's funny to hear a woman talk about routes. And I mean, he could have said peculiar. He could have said it's odd. He could have said it's refreshing. He could have said, you know, it's rare. Um, he could have said a lot of different things, but since he said it's funny and funny's left up to interpretation, they assumed the negative aspect of the word. Exactly. And that was some bullshit too. But, you know, 
Josh Hader had his, and it was like right after we did our show. And then a couple days ago, I think what Tuesday when Cowboys training camp opened, mm-hmm. Jerry Jones opened his mouth, right, and saying his players can't stand in the locker room during the national anthem. His players have to toe the line and stand out there with their hands over their heart because they know where he stands on that. And then they followed up with another question about him not distancing himself from from Papa John's and like yeah, so know. many other teams. Like Mark Cuban, he did it immediately. Yeah. Papa John's is no longer the uh, official pizza of the Mavericks. You right. know what I'm it's saying? Pizza now, I think. Yeah. yeah. Jerry Jones, he he's standing by his guy. Yeah. He's, he's standing by his dude, Papa John. And it's like. And he's made racial comments himself. Yeah. The Papa John's dude himself. I mean. Before they asked him to step down. You know, he's not even like the chair no more. Yeah. I mean, because he. Ref- I, don't, I don't know how he used it. We didn't get the context, but. He used the actual N word. He used the N word yeah. during a conference call. And that's bold. You know what I'm saying? Real like, bold. like, come on. Like, you in a conference call with all these different people. And who knows how many African American were on the conference call. And you said the N-word. You said nigger. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So I, me and my friends, we was joking. But I, I'm like, man, I, I'm pretty sure Jerry Jones has referred to his players as as these are my niggers. You know what I'm saying? Like in, in joking or in private with Papa John. or with, Possibly, yeah. I mean, because these old white NFL owners have come out and said things uh, coded, like Bob McNair in Tennessee. I think that's who that was. Yeah. Uh, not Tennessee, Houston. When he he said the inmates are running the asylum, guys felt a certain type of way about that. Yeah. Uh, Donald Sterling. Yeah. His comments, and he's in the NBA, probably the most progressive Mm -hmm. uh, lead. I mean, these rich old men come from old times. I mean, they lived through segregation. They lived through Jim Crow. And they were on a totally different side of the fence during that time. So who's to say that they don't feel this specific type of way about black people just because black people are making them some money? Even their ancestors aren't far removed from slavery. Yeah, slave owners. Think about it. I mean, if 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 I'm born in the 30s, that would make me about 80. Mm -hmm. Jerry Jones is about 80. So my grandfather, about 80 years before that. 60, 70 years before that, that's in the um, 1800s. 1800s, right. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, slavery was still going on. I mean, mm-hmm. the Klan was born in like 1870. Right. So we're not that far removed exactly. from real live hatred and racism. I mean, we're just 150 years away from that. That's like three, four generations. You know what I'm saying? It's still very much alive. I mean, I'm pretty sure we have grandparents or great grandparents that may still be alive that actually pick cotton. Yeah. You know, so it's a sensitive issue that I feel like a lot of people don't want to talk about because it is so sensitive. But then you'll see instances where a guy who came out with all these racist comments get a standing ovation. And it's really like a slap in the face to black people. Yeah. See, I was trying to, you know, me being a Dallas Cowboys fan. I try to be optimistic about stuff. I try to see stuff from different angles. You know, that's just, yeah. that just you know, me automatically. But so when I first heard the comment about Jerry Jones, I first tried to think of it from, from a standpoint of, okay, he's trying to make it seem like no one's above the team. 
that we don't have any too many individuals on the team when it comes to a Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. We're going to stand as a team. We're going to come out, block them as a team. We're going to do a team sport. So I tried to see it. But then Stephen Jones came out. I think it was this morning. Oh, I didn't see that. Might have been actually this morning. When he comes out, I made his comments about, yeah, we're a team. They're going to be uh, – everybody has to come out for the flag. We can do this. And whatever you want to do individually on your own, you can do it on Tuesday. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? On that day off. Yeah. I was like, okay, so now all of a sudden I'm not a cowboy on Tuesdays. Or, you know what I'm saying, on Fridays. Or, you know what I'm saying, whenever the game – I'm, I'm not playing a game, I'm outside of my practice element or not outside the facility for that matter. I'm not a cowboy, so I can do whatever I want to do then. But it's like, but you don't have that back when they are doing these things or when they get in trouble on these Tuesdays or whatever. They're still they're labeled as a cowboy then. Right. So you can't try to draw that line between them and say, you know, when you're in the facility, we had his uniform on, you had his helmet on, you're a cowboy, and this is how we're going to do it this way, the cowboy way. And that came off to me as more racism. Or if we go back to the comments that the girl made on Fox News about LeBron saying, telling him to shut up and dribble, it's basically telling them to like, you're going to shut up and play football. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have these other things. Mm-mm. And that kind of draws me back. Now, like I said, going back further, um, so I'm truly reading this book by uh, called $40 Million Slaves by William Roden. You know, in here he has a quote from 1988 from uh, Jimmy Snyder when he said that the black athlete is built to jump higher, run faster because they have bigger thighs. Yeah. He said, I'm telling you that the black, the, the better athlete is black and yeah. he practices to be better because he's bred to be better. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? So Jimmy, this stereotype is Jimmy coming. Jimmy the Greek. Yeah, Jimmy the Greek. This, yeah. this stereotype is coming back from back then and it's still relevant now. They, they, they still think the same way. I mean. Because the majority of the athletes in, it, in the NFL is going to be black. I mean, just speaking to that comment specifically, I know Jimmy Greek, he said they were bred this way from slavery. Yeah, from Civil War. Yeah, yeah. right. right. That, that next sentence says the Civil War. Yeah. It goes back to then. Yeah. So, and, and he's right. A lot of people got mad at him because they was like, how can you say that? Right. But he's not lying. No, he's not. You, yeah. You, they you, were bred. Like, they were they were cattle to them. Yeah. Like, they were property. So, yes, the biggest black man was bred with the thickest black woman so they could make the biggest kids, mm-hmm. the fastest kids. The ones that work the longest, the, the ones longest. that can do the most work. They can withstand so, the heat. They can uh, do these things, yeah. Shout out to my, my boy, Bobby. I mean, he said this yesterday. He was like, I really don't like football like that because it's slave culture. Yeah. And when he said it, I was like, damn. But he's right. I mean, it's, it's like the head coach and you have 53 guys on the active roster and they all have to do what they're told. They can't buck the system. They can't think for themselves, just like Stephen Jones and his comments. You can do whatever you want on Tuesday, on your off day. But on Sunday, you got to do what I tell you to do. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's like that's perceived racism. You know what I'm saying? Like they're smart enough not to blatantly come out and say something racist. But everything that they say is like nuanced and is is – it's subtle things that has racist overtones to it. And that's my problem. And that's why as I get older and I see these things happening with the yeah, NFL, yeah, yeah. like my interest in it is like just diminishing, like a little by little, every time something comes out. Yeah. And I'm with you on that. And it's just, but I think like these things have been, they've been out there, but now they're actually being put, it's brought to the surface even more. Right. We're seeing it even more. And like I said, it'll it take the, take the fun away from, actual watching the sport because yeah. you start seeing it from different aspects and you see it from 
different angles of how players are being treated and things like that. You know, right. so I mean, before we switch off to this, uh, the biggest story in the NFL right now is what? To you, what what would you think the biggest story in the NFL is right now? It's gonna be the uh, the kneeling, right? For me, yeah, the kneeling. I'm not a Philly fan. Mm-hmm. If I was a Philly fan, I would be pissed. Yeah, because one of the most storied franchises in the NFL won their first NFL Super Bowl, right? And we don't even talk about it. Yeah, and mainly because they have a lot of people on their team who are standing up for yeah. you know certain rights. NFL, they dropped the ball with this, man. But yeah. let's keep it moving. Yeah, so I mean, so we're gonna kind of transition now, you know, um, as an in, in a in an aspect of how this racism can affect the younger athletes. Right. So our next topic is gonna be, what if the younger elite athletes started going to HBCU colleges or HBCUs rather than going to these uh, these powerhouse universities? Right, right. You know, where they're seen nationally, stuff like that. Um, I would say that. I think it would be great. And not only would it bring more, you know, shine more light on HBCUs and talk about, you know, what they have as far as tradition and culture mm-hmm. and how they were built on these things that would be brought more to the world for them to see. Because like right now it's almost like you don't know about HBCU of uh, where they come from unless you really dig, dig into it yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, but if I turn on TV, they're going to talk about Texas culture during mm-hmm. commercials, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. during uh, halftime or whatever like that. So you see these things, but HBU, you don't see that much because, for one, like I said, it's not on TV as much. If it is, it's going to be on BET or something like that. So um, I think with them going to um, HBCUs, it's going to bring more light to them, and you'll see these more of them playing more on TV. You know, because it's going to take a while, but if you if they continue to do it, somebody's going to bite. You're going to see one of these major networks try to put them on TV. Yeah, and just to go back from our last uh, topic. If we just if we be honest about it, these elite athletes are black athletes, mm-hmm. the majority of them. So they have a chance to actually change change the system. It's gonna take some time and it's gonna do it. And I um, just I think remember the article you sent me where they had a question with uh, Chris Weber. They asked him about this a long time ago, and they asked him why would he go to HBCU? I guess because he kind of thought about it. Yeah. And he basically said that you know honestly you know I, I won't I won't be seen on TV. You know I won't be get this you know and he's an elite athlete he would have made it regardless right and but and i think it would have been harder for him actually than it is athletes now because with social media like that people are going to follow you regardless of where you go true you know what i'm saying i can go to hbcu somewhere and i can hell i can post it on facebook or something live one of our games and i bet you it's gonna get a bunch of views you know just to see how well this player or this athlete is doing at that level you know against um these other athletes and um so I just feel like it is something that is out there that can be changed. And I think it should be changed. You know, I had reservations about it at first, but just because, you know, they aren't seen. I said, but in order to uh, have change, you got to actually do it, put yourself into it and actually, you know, spark it, spark it yourself. So um, I did send this article to you and it was a football player. Oh, man, I, w- I should look it up so I could give him a shout out. Um, so I'm going to do that in a minute. But. I think it's a great idea uh, because some of the greatest NFL players went to HBCU. Walter Payton went to an HBCU. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry Rice went to an HBCU. T.O. 
went to an HBCU. You know what I'm saying? Like these yeah. dudes are amazing. Um, so over the years, these players stopped going to HBCU because HBCUs didn't have that funding. And, you know, the larger power conferences were a little bit more welcoming of, you know, black players. Right. Uh, so the, the the guy, he's a defensive end. His name is Kayvon Thibodeau. I think that's how you say the last yeah, Thibodeau, name. Thibodeau, Thibodeau. Thibodeau, like uh, Tib. So yeah. uh, shout out to him for even putting it in the atmosphere. Even though he probably won't go to one, yeah. he put it in the atmosphere. He, he, he phrased it as a question to his fellow recruits. Like, what if we all decided to go to an HBCU? Yeah. Wouldn't that be dope? And a firestorm. Like, it was a tweet. Like, he didn't even do it, yeah, you know, yeah. as an interview or anything. He just yeah, tweeted it. Put it out there. And, I mean, for him to tweet that and him being, like, the number one ranked defensive end in the country at this time in high school, um, the reaction to that so powerful, it lets you know that other people see that if this do happen, uh, the, the culture shift in, in college sports would be immediate. Yeah. All it takes is two, three recruiting classes – for one school to be a power in football. Basketball, all it takes is one, one recruiting class. One class. If there's 24 McDonald's All-Americans, so let's say two out of 24 McDonald's All-Americans, they decide they want to go to the same HBCU, and then they convince three other kids in the top 100 to go. Now you got five top 100 recruits in the country at one school. Oh, that's just that'd be crazy, right? I mean, just because the competition isn't as high, right? But the things that they could do, it'd be like the things that they could do, yeah. and a lot of those um, HBCUs, they do get to contend for a spot in the national tournament. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so, uh, so just imagine in basketball, if five top 100 recruits just up and decided, you know what, we're gonna go to Morehouse because it's in Atlanta. Yeah. We like future. We like Migos. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of things people want to say is, oh, well, you know, they don't have the facilities that such and such such has, which is true. But if I can get to Atlanta as a young black kid, that's not that bad, especially yeah. if I'm just hooping. You know what I'm saying? So, But if you, if you present it in that manner, like you just said, yeah. like, you know, if you try to relate to them on that level as far as the culture musically yeah. or anything like that, you have a good chance of catching them. Like just how we talked about before with uh, Puma. How right. they were able to get these players based off, you know, relating to them. Yeah. They don't have the the stigma or the things that Nike has, Mm-mm. but they were able to get somebody and believe and have them believe in building their brand with them. I think HBCUs, HBCUs can take that same approach. Like, let's build our brand together. Right. All right. So, so let me ask you this question. So, if we if this rule was passed to where college athletes could get paid and they can get paid off of, uh, let's say, royalties or, you know, branding or anything like that based off what the college does with their name on their jersey like that. Do you think that would kind of change it? Uh, yes. I think actually uh, just to go in another direction, I think black kids deciding that they want to go to HBCUs will expedite kids getting paid mm. because like if, if the HBUs can put together something that can interest these top recruits and lure them away from Duke, away from Kentucky, away from Kansas, North Carolina, especially in basketball. I'm speaking specifically to basketball. Yeah. Um, if they could like get them away from those schools for whatever, if they could go 
find Future, find Amigos, find all these dudes from Atlanta that want to uh, put their money and their support behind the HBCU. So you can come kick it with us over here, man. Live like kings. We're going to be in Magic City. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to get in trouble, stuff like that. Um, hell yeah, dude. Coach K and them going to be like, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to find a way to get these kids back on our campuses. So we're going to have to start paying them because yeah. Duke pockets run way longer oh, yeah. than everybody else's. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's going to change. And with social media and, and the things that are going on, you know, LeVar Ball coming, shaking up the system, making a JBA league, even though it might be some trash, it's, he did it. It's, it's starting to open up people's minds like, hey, man, we got a little bit more power than we think we do. It's some strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. So – uh, if these kids do want to get paid, yeah, stop going to these top power schools. Go to some small schools. Go to, um, you know, these these schools that, you know, they asking, like, why are you even here? Yeah. Then they're going to start passing out the dollars to get you to come back to these power five conferences. But if you, yeah, exactly. If you think about it, though, um, even like you just said, how they can go to these schools to make the tournament, if you're talking about bas- basketball. Right. Um the teams who has the who has the the biggest story behind them aren't the ones who normally win a championship. True. I don't know if you realize that. True. It's always the ones the who underdog. come in, the yeah. underdogs. And a lot of times those underdogs are from smaller schools mm-hmm. and their team is mostly black. Yeah. They're not really considered HBCUs, but what I'm what I'm trying to get to is that an HBCU could be that type of story. Yes. And they could do wonders for that university. Or we just do wonders just for seeing kids coming up, being able to see this. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I can go here and still make a name or make some noise and, you know, and still build up a university. And that's the other part yeah. um, to it. Uh, like Chris Weber said, he wanted to be on TV. Mm-hmm. Well, that was in 1993. Yeah. Um, In 2018, you're going to be seen. Oh, yeah. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's, so easy. it's very easy to be seen yeah. now. If you're doing something, you're going to be seen. You know, you're going to – they're going to record you on the phone, whatever. You know, Bleacher Report. Ball is life. Ball is life yeah. Overtime. Overtime. Yeah. Uh football, they a little bit behind those media outlets. Yeah. But football got a few of them coming up. You know what I'm saying? That's trying to do the same thing as ball is life. Same thing as overtime. You know, really get out there and showcase grassroots sports. Yeah. Whereas we didn't have that. And you know, I graduated high school 2003, you graduated 2004. You know, in the course of 15 years, I mean, look how much different it has changed. I mean, it's it's just so different now. We probably could have never been seen just playing at high school. But now, you know, because of the Internet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We saw that change two or three years afterwards and YouTube came out. YouTube. Yeah, Yeah. YouTube. YouTube was like first as far as, you know, videos. YouTube, Facebook. Yeah. But it's it's crazy now. Like, you're going to be seen if you're doing good. You you gonna be on the internet? You know exactly. what I'm saying? So it's a lot shifting towards the players, and eventually yeah, the yeah. NCAA is gonna have to pay up. Yeah, and eventually there will be some some kids going to um, HBCUs. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, ah oh man, I don't know how high he's gonna go now, but at one point, Ed Oliver. Uh, that goes to U of H. Ed Oliver was going to be the number one overall pick. Yeah. And then they coach left, went to Texas. So U of H didn't get the same type of shine in his sophomore year. So now he's in his junior season. And 
Tom Herman shouldn't have left U of H because Ed Oliver was the top-ranked DT in the state of Texas for sure. I know he was top five in the country, but they wanted him to go to the SEC, UT, and all that. And he said, you know what? I'm going to stay right here in Houston. And he put out a call to all Houston athletes. Let's stop going to UT. Let's stop going to A&M. Let's stop going, you know, to OU. Let's stay right here at home and go to U of H. And some of them did. Yeah. So if one kid can do that for the city of Houston and U of H, just imagine what one could do for HBCU. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's most definitely definitely a possibility. Um, but my 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 standpoint of too is just like I like I think a lot of these kids start just going to HBCUs or you know what I'm saying just like just the history and the culture of things and stuff that you could learn. Um, I think I was reading an article where I think a player walked into a gym. It was at a major university. I might might have been Duke. I'm not mm-hmm. sure where it was at, but uh, he walked into the gym and he had on a hat or something like that that said HBCU or you know what I mean or it had like a, a historical figure on there or something like that but it was black and the coach coach being white asked him like hey do you know who that is he was like nah I just like the hat really yeah and I, I, I'm mad I don't, I don't remember exactly where I saw it at but the coach asked him and he was like you know who that is and the player was like nah I don't know who it is you know I just like the hat whatever and the coach was just like are you serious like you know what I mean the coach was white and the coach went out and bought the whole team a hat and told them like, you need to know who this person is because right. he's very important in your history. And I wish I'd had the details on it. Um, but we don't have many white coaches that's going to do that. No. You know what I'm saying? No. And, uh, but I think that a lot of these things are really relevant now. And I think they can really just push as far as you knowing and understanding your culture and where you come from. And I think, I think they said lots of long ago, Dennis Smith Jr. got criticized for wearing an HBCU sweater or <laughs> saying something like, um, HBCUs are still alive or something like that. And they but they everybody was like, Well, you didn't go to HBCU. You so, know, so how can you you know what I'm saying? Basically trying to basically trying to say he's a hypocrite, but that doesn't mean he can't support it. You know right. what I'm saying? But it's just those things right there. And I think they're just making just bringing light to HBCU that they're out there, I think it would do a, a lot better or do well for the sports. Yeah. For the sport uh industry. So um shout out to uh Kayvon for that. I mean, you and I, we didn't go to a HBCU. Mm-mm. Uh but the affinity for HBCU is always there. So I, I, I strongly support that's something that I kind of wish I did, but you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I like it. And eventually I believe that, you know, some top kids are gonna go together to HBCU. Yeah, I think I see I see it happening. Right. All right, man. We'll move on to our last topic. Um oh. we'll stay in the basketball world. Uh moving on to the NBA. You know, your boy uh Kevin Durant. Cupcake. Kevin Durant, cupcake is uh is what they call him. He's back in the news again in the media, and he's basically trying to defend himself once again. And people are still back there calling him soft, <laughs> sensitive, you know. So my thing is, what, what's your take on that? Dude? What, do you, what do you feel? How do you feel Kevin Durant is as can, far as? Can know? I defer to you? Can you go first on this one? Yeah, yeah. I'll go ahead. Go, ahead. I, go in on KD, man. I know you feel a certain type of way about So him, my so. first thing about KD is just going back to the decision, man. It's like. Okay, you made a decision. You joined the, the the best team in sports at the time. Right. They had the best record ever. These are all facts. This is not opinion or anything like that. You chose to do it. Now, as again, as again, that's your choice. Nobody's taking that from you. You know, you you've earned the right to have the choice. It's the whole reason for a free agency. My thing it is of it is is like why are you defending yourself at every chance you get, or why are you even 
giving the people this much uh, liberty in your life. So it's like, because when, cause when you do these things and we respond, it's like, yes, you do look sensitive. You look soft. And I, I get it. Like in the interview he said today, he was just like, well, he said something first and I responded, but it makes me look soft. Why isn't he the soft one? I was like, well, I said, because the way in your response, it makes you look like you're being agitated or you're frustrated. Somebody's getting under your skin that easy. And for me, it's like, I don't see how <clears throat> he comes off that. Uh, that's so that's sensitive. I, just, I hate to use that word, but he comes off very, very sensitive in the way he does things just because he's always responding. He okay. creates these burner accounts. He does these things. And it's like, why? And yes, I know we're in an age of information where you can you can instantly do that to somebody and respond to somebody, but it's just like, you don't have to do it. You're a two-time champion. You're MVP. You're a scoring champion. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. I think you're being nice to KD right now, man. I'm just going to be honest with you. I just, I don't know. Cause I'm just trying to see, because my thing is, is like, so Kevin Durant, when I see him on the court, I try to keep him, I try to keep him with that same mentality. He's like, a, he's an assassin on the court. You can't do anything with him. He doesn't ever seem bothered to me on the court, but to see him outside of that basketball, he seems like he's very defensive. So I'm trying to. So for me, I'm still on the standpoint of trying to figure out why does he do this. So it's like it's hard for me to really just go in on him right now. I'm just still in a why moment. Like, why are you doing this? Well, I'll say it. Katie looking like a bitch, <laughs> and I'm just gonna keep it all the way 100. Okay. Now, personally, I don't feel like that KD ruined the league. I know a lot of people say that because he joined the 73 and 19. I don't no, think, I think he, ruined he ruined the league. I don't think he ruined it. I don't, I'm not going to go that far. But I am going to say that going back before he made that that decision to go to that team, Kevin Durant bitched up in that Western Conference Finals. When, Russ, they, were, when they were up 3-1? Yeah, yeah, Russ was giving it to him. Like I'm, I'm critical of Russ. But Russ was giving him Russ. You know what I'm saying? Russ was giving him Russ. Yeah. If you go back and look at that in all seven games, Oklahoma was up by 10 points at one time in each game they played because Russ was giving them Russ. They had nothing for Russ. Even when they played with KD, they still have nothing for Russell Westbrook because Steph can't guard him. Clay can't yeah. guard him. No, they can't really guard anybody for that matter. But. So circling back, you let your team down – and blew a 3-1 lead. It wasn't like, man, KD did everything he could. KD was going crazy, man. He was dropping 50, 10 boards. I mean, he just laid it all out there like, there's no way he can beat this Golden State team. It wasn't that type of situation. It wasn't like LeBron the first time he left Cleveland where it was just like, dang, like, this man is almost averaging a triple-double and they still losing. Nah, you let your team down. Russ played his heart out. I mean, Russ, he, I mean, he's going coast to coast, giving them everything they had for all four quarters. And you're supposed to be the closer. You're supposed to be the killer, the, the slim reaper, the servant, and you didn't serve. And then you go and leave to play for the team that, that bounced you out. He took the easy way out. Yeah, you took the easiest way out, not just the easy way out. If he, he went to, if he went to Boston like I thought he was going to do, then I really wouldn't have said nothing. But you took the easiest way out. And it obviously doesn't sit well with you because you're constantly defending your decision. Hit dogs holler. You know what I'm saying? Like, you 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 constantly defending your decision. And then you get on C.J. McCollum's show 
and you being so laughable about the Blazers and what they trying to do. Come on, you know you're not going to win the championship. Don't don't worry about things that's going on at the top. You know what I'm saying? If C.J. McCollum would have slapped him, <laughs> which I felt he was justified in doing because you're not about to sit next to me and downplay my efforts when you joined a team that was already 73-9 and nine without yeah. you. You're not about to downplay my efforts when we're trying to beat you and – we obviously not stacked like y'all are. Y'all unfairly stacked, and you over here trying to just shrug it off and laugh and call my team scrubs. I, you know, I would have responded to that totally different than than C.A. McCullough. Obviously, y'all can hear it in my voice now. Yeah. I ain't the one that's gonna go for somebody like disrespecting my soul right in front of me. You know what I'm saying? But right there, the box. But, but even that point right there, I think C.J. McCullum had every right to go back at him because Kevin Durant said that comment. He made that comment, but. See, and that's see when we go further from that, it made CJ a little more soft after that because he didn't address it there. He went to KD left, and then he went to Twitter and said, "Oh, KD's off." Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it was like a soft move, a soft move with a soft player with another soft player. Yeah, going at it. So you know what I'm saying? So it's like, yes, KD did on some 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 stupid shit, but it was like, or he'd be on some soft shit all the time. It's like, but it's it's like soft calling soft. Yeah, to to and me, that's why I can't really get down with it. Yeah, well, I mean, C.J. McCollum, he could, like I said, he should have said something in his face, but he didn't. Yeah. You know, but he was just kind of responding to what somebody asked him, like, you know, how'd you feel about the decision? He's like, well, it looked kind of soft. You know what I'm saying? Um, but you could have called him soft to his face. Yeah. What are you going to do? He going to hit you? No, but, I mean, soft. But even then, when KVD, when KD said that, oh, you know you're not finna win a championship, man. You know you're not finna win. That was a perfect time right there to see that he'd be like, Oh, nigga, you only won because my, my I mean, say nigga, my bad. But you only won because you joined the the, the best team in the league. Thank that you. That makes you soft. That was a perfect time for him to say that. I would have said it. But that's what I'm saying. But he didn't. So that kind of makes him soft to come back and say it later. Yeah, it do. He shouldn't even brought it up. He should have addressed it a different way. And, I mean, it kind of comes back to some conversations we had about the NBA. Is These guys are very buddy-buddy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Real cool. I can't see Michael Jordan sitting on Isaiah Thomas's podcast after the – uh, the Pistons done just abused the Bulls. Yeah. And then after Jordan got his chance to, you know, get his revenge, I can't see Isaiah Thomas or Joe Dumars or Rick Mahorn or, or one of them sitting on the Scottie Pippen podcast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like um, it just, it's just weird to me that these guys be so buddy-buddy, but then, you know, deep down they do have these feelings like uh, they are a little soft. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, it's a lot of them that's like yeah. it just goes back to the quote that I always I like hearing all the time I live by in the sense of the loudest person in the room is the weakest person in the room right? or the you know the most defensive person in the room is the weakest person in the room and like if you see it so like the players you just mentioned Russell Westbrook like I think I'll go in, go in a dog fight with him at any time and like he doesn't seem sensitive to me yeah. because you know but you see it on the court that he's not uh, he's about that action he wants all the smoke yeah. in a sense kind of right you know what I'm saying but it's just like you don't see him out Talking crazy to people, no. You know, what I'm saying on social media or anything like that. You know, what I mean, sometimes it's somebody says something to him. Yeah, he'll say it like in person. But as far as like you know, always trying to defend himself or anything like LeBron, right. you know, he he gets it all the time. Right. But you don't really see him addressing it or anything like that. He he does, so, but he's selective with how he does it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He'll he'll say his little piece. And if you're perceptive enough to understand what he's saying, then you get it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But he's not like KD making burner accounts and going back and forth on Twitter with people and stuff like that. Like KD has some 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 thin skin. Very thin. 
thin skin. He, he's very thin skin. And if you're not up for the criticism of going to a team that didn't need you and being called soft or snake or cupcake or whatever the names are that they call you, you shouldn't have did it. Cause the great pimp C said, if you do anything that you're ashamed of, you ain't got no business doing it. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? And that's a quote that I live by. <laughs> so, uh, that's just how I feel about KD, man. And it shows from time to time on the court. Yeah. I mean, to me, in in my opinion, KD's skill set and his size, he should be hands down the best player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But there's times where he has no dog in him. Where LeBron, he has some dog in him. Yeah. That's why LeBron is the big brother to KD. That's why everybody feel like KD joined Golden State just to beat LeBron because yeah. – I don't feel like mentally he can do it. And luckily enough, he played with Russell Westbrook that was able to infuse some dog into the to the organization. Yeah. Because if they took on KD's personality, then come on, man. See, my only thing is that I, I mean, I agree with you a thousand percent on that, what you just said. Um, but it's kind of like it's the same thing we said about LeBron before he went to Miami. It's almost the same exact thing. Not really. It's like uh, not not as far as the standpoint of him soft or anything like that. As far as like this, it's off topic actually. As far as uh, him having that killer instinct or whatever. We said the same thing about LeBron. He went to Miami. He won a championship there. Then after that, he's able to go and then really just dominate. And KD's almost. I don't know what he's gonna do next. I think I think what he does after the Warriors that's gonna really change everything. You but know, LeBron that- didn't join the best team, but he also but he made the best team. But no, so, it, it's from it's, that standpoint. Nah, I don't because LeBron, we say he didn't have that killer instinct, but you just called KD a killer. We've always said KD had that killer instinct. Oh, okay. See, that's where we that's where we messed up at. I say he has a killer now. I think, think he has, I think he has. No, nah, nah, I mean, I didn't. I didn't think he had it in OKC. No, I, you didn't. I nah, did. I didn't think he. That's did. why I was so surprised that they mm-hmm. lost the way I they lost. Did, especially because what showed me he didn't have a killer instinct was that championship when they played against Miami Heat. He was nowhere to be found. Him and James Harden. I mean, I and guess, Russell was still eating. Yeah, in. Russell was crazy. Russell so was that's crazy. what showed me there who KD really was, and that's why I was like, so I've never thought he had that KD. I just chalked that up to him being young, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because after that, I mean, KD really ascended. And one thing that people really don't uh, give them credit for is they made it to the finals. You lose James Harden. KD wins MVP, or mm-hmm. did he win MVP the year? I think he won your MVP after that. Mm-hmm. But then Russell Westbrook gets hurt in the playoffs. Yeah, he won after that. Yeah. And then KD gets hurt the next year. So you make it to the finals. You lose one piece of the puzzle. Then you make it to the playoffs. One piece is gone. Then the next year, the different piece is gone. And then that year they blew that 3-1 lead. That was the first time since they made it to the finals that KD and Russ was healthy together since they made it. Mm-hmm. So I gave him a pass because he did show that he had that killer instinct. He was he killed the Mavericks. After yeah, the Mavericks did, did him yeah. the way that they did him, I mean, I'm saying he, he, he became a different player after that. He definitely had his great standpoints, his good standpoints. But I just say I never thought I never saw him as somebody that's like as just that that cold stone killer. I like did. That. Like, you know what I'm saying? I saw, I've seen Kobe, LeBron, I've seen D Wade, I've seen them in that element. I haven't seen that from KD yet. I, but I, I kind of see it now, just but, but it's a lot easier for him to do it now, right? Just I because mean, he's with a great team. There's so no it's not, pressure. There's no pressure, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's my that's where I come from in that. I never really saw it with him like that. OKC. Okay, I, I always felt that he was a killer. I, I, mean, I thought Russell had it. People was calling him the Slim Reaper, and then he decided, no, I'm the servant. Like, come on. 
Man, come, I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I just felt like KD had it. Yeah. That's that's just a long story short. I get you. I get you. He 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 was fool's gold to me. Yeah. Because I was like, man, he, he didn't got it. You know, he yeah. figured out like he he out here for blood. So and then it's like I love Steph Curry because people say Kevin Durant ruined the league. Some people say LeBron James ruined the league. Steph Curry ruined the league. He changed the game. <laughs> I mean, Steph Curry, I love Steph to, to death because he really don't say much. And he smiles and he laughs. But you can tell Steph Curry is a mean person. You can tell Steph Curry no, is not he's really, shit, boy. You can tell he's not a nice guy. I say that all the time about Steph. I was like, man, people people chalk him up to be this baby face nah, dude. Man. And he's nice. He's family. He's Christian. He yes, is he, he's all that. But other than that, Steph, he will. I feel like he will slap you behind That's closed what I'm doors. You know what I'm saying? I think Steph really want to see people bleed. Like Steph, kind yes. of crazy to me. And Steph took KD's will. That's why KD went to uh, to Golden State. Mm-hmm. I think Steph took his soul, man. So yeah. um, I think just bolding back to like to the topic is it's is it sounds like to me based off what you said and what I said. It sounds like KD is sensitive, soft, yeah. and it's feeling all the time. Because he doesn't, he hasn't really accepted who he is or what he's done. Right. I mean, you know what I'm saying. He's not really. He hasn't accepted it. So I think that's why. He, I think that's why he's always out there trying to, you know, trying to himself. prove who he is. Yeah. Just because he doesn't really know who he is himself. Man, I don't know. I can't speak to it. Why he does it? It's just from from my point of view, looking like a sucker, Katie. <laughs> Sorry, bro. So we'll go ahead and close it out on that standpoint. Again, this is a. Uh, Thin Line Between Love and Sports. You can check us out on Instagram at Thin underscore Love and Sports. That's also right. on Facebook, Thin Line Between Love and Sports. And you can find our podcast on every platform. Yeah, we have now. Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast, uh, SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Am I missing anything uh, else, man? Spreaker. Spreaker. Uh, Google. So the I was kind of giving people uh, the wrong advice on how to find us on Google Play. It's not the Google Play Store. It's Google Play Music. Okay. So I guess Google Play Store is where you download all your games, your apps and all that. You know, it's team iPhone. So Google Play Music. So your music app for all my Google fans, Android, you can search podcasts in there and that's where we are. All right. Check us out. Always give us some feedback. Let us know what you think about the topics. And of course, you know, if you have any new topics that you want to address, we definitely hit them up on here. Yeah. Appreciate it. See y'all next time.